Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. You're about to hear message audio from one of our weekend services, but before you do, just want to remind you, you can tap the link in the description or text Cersei to 88000 to get connected and stay up to date with what's going on on our campus at all times. You can give online, join a life group, or find more information about joining a serve team as well. You can also request prayer. We love praying for the needs of our church every single week. If you have a prayer request, tap the link in the description, or again, text Cersei to 88000 for more information. Hey, New Life Church. Today, I'm going to talk to you from my home. In fact, I'm going to try to speak to you from my heart, just like if you were in my home, this is what we want to do. It's kind of hard to connect by way of video to all the campuses, so that's why we don't do it much. So please dig in with me. Cajuns sometimes say things that are not important or a little crazy, but I'm hoping that this comes across important, because it is. Being in my home, by the way, reminds me of one interesting fact about our church. For the first few years, people, in fact, everyone would join our church right here in this room. This is where we had Connect class. Back in those days, we called it 101. In many powerful moments with the presence of God happened right here in this living room. So our church, it grew quickly. We somehow became a very large church, and the truth is that was really never the goal. We just wanted to be healthy and mature. And in fact, the main reason we have multiple campuses even now is due to we wanted to try to stay as small as possible so people could stay connected. And when we added venues, it helped us with that. But fortunately, our people were hungry for the word and they were hungry for vision then. And I can sense that they are now too. Maybe even now more than ever in some ways. So today, I'm going to share with you vision. And this is what I've decided to call it. I decided to call it that there is no plan B. Meaning, I'm going to talk about plan A because there is no plan B. And the truth is, we've learned much about vision and doing church through the years. But on another note, somehow it seems like I know less about how to pastor a church now than ever before. I think our campus pastors would feel the same way. So we just try to plant the seed, which is what I'm doing right now, and the Lord has to build it. But here's what I've learned from a negative view. Some will not pick plan A. And in fact, they're going to pick plan B. What's really hard is that some people used to have plan A in their heart, in their spirit, but they moved away from that. And honestly, as a pastor, it's discouraging. So maybe this is why Jesus said that his way, plan A, was a narrow path. Maybe this is why he said that plan B is a wide path. A lot are going to choose it. And I hate that part. And I see people majoring in on minor things and they minor on the major things. This reminds me of a couple, this guy, he said, when we got married, we decided that I was going to make all the major decisions and she was going to make all the minor decisions. He said, we've been married 26 years and we've never made a major decision yet. The truth is, 
Some people are just majoring on the wrong things. And speaking of marriage, by the way, recently I had my wisdom tea taken out. At 62 years of age, I had my wisdom tea taken out. And it's clearly not a good plan, plan A. But I told Michelle, I said, babe, come on, listen to me, boo. No videos of this. I, I could potentially say anything weird. I'm going to be lit. I'm going to be on anesthesia. And be careful. We can't just be shipping out videos. I know how she is. You can't just be shipping out videos of your stoned husband all over the globe. We just can't do that. I know I'm extra, but I was making a big deal out of this. So I was begging, please, boo, okay? And she never agreed. And I knew I was in trouble. So certainly, she did the wrong thing. Begging her not to choose plan B, but only plan A. But do you know what happened? Here I was, high as a kite. I was out of my everlasting mind. She took videos of me in a stupor. She even FaceTimed family. And she was having a blast, laughing at me the whole time. I was not aware of any of this, not until I sobered up. She even showed recently a few thousand ladies at the women's conference with videos and pics of me with gauzes hanging out of my mouth and ice packs over my face. Thank the Lord the video team recording me right now would never show you a pic like that. At least I have some people who are loyal. But Michelle, she ignored the plan A. She picked plan B. She called it plan A. And it hurt my feelings. <laughs> Not really. But the truth is, some of you are like Michelle. Uh, there is no plan B, but yet you picked it. And it kind of hurts our lives, hurts other people, hurts our families. Kind of funny, yes, but also true. Jesus. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple." must deny themselves, plan B, and take up their cross daily and follow me, plan A. There is no plan B. I don't know if you've read anything or watched anything about Coach Dion. Uh, he's coaching Colorado Buffaloes right now. I just love it. I, I'm into it. I uh, love sports. And uh, But he was given a pregame speech recently, and he aced it to his football team. But it would not be true for the church. What he was telling them, is he goes, there's a lot going on out there, a lot of voices, but it's not about them. It's about us. But with the church, the truth is, it's not about us. It's about him. So with that in mind, to me, I think it's an easy time right now to know the plan A from God. Why? because it hasn't changed. His plan hasn't shifted at all. So it's easy to know his plan, but hard to do. So then if we know his plan and we don't do it, why? Because it's, it's, it's really complicated sometimes. That's the truth. So that's why I want you to look straight into the eyes of his plan. His plans are non-negotiable. And here's a good question. Has his moral plan has it ever changed, even 1%? Nope. Has his personal plan for any of us, has it ever shifted around, even 
No. How about his sovereign will, his providential will, what he's doing in heaven and on earth? Has it ever changed even 1%? Nope. The Bible says he doesn't shift around like shadows. And it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible even says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, I am the Lord and I will not change. So if he never changes, it should be easy to know what his will is. The Bible even says that he's the father of lights without any variation. And this is why his will, it's not ambiguous. So here's what I know. I was speaking at Easter this year, and I was talking about how many of us love the miracles in the word. We love the red ink, but not all of it. We love the attributes of Christ. We love how he loved people. He said, pray for your enemies. We love all that. But we do not like the absolutes of his plans. The Bible is full of people trying to pick another plan. And here's what I thought about. The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, they were sold out on plan A. But what happened is, is the king, who was a narcissistic king, he wanted them to bow down to him. But they had it clear in their mind they were not going to do it. So the king said, you better do it or we're going to throw you in the fire. And I'd never seen this before or thought about this before. And they didn't do it. So he gave them another chance. And he said, if you don't bow down this time, we're going to turn the fire even hotter and we're going to throw you in there. Here's what I've noticed. Anytime you pick plan A, I think it's the reason why people bail out. Anytime you pick plan A, it's going to get hotter. There's going to be more heat around it. It's tough. Even the days that we're living in, the culture that we're in, we're in Babylon. A lot of things are falling apart in terms of the Word of God. And anytime you pick plan A, the heat's going to be turned up. But the good news is the Bible says that they threw them into the fire and nothing was burning them except for the chains that were on them, the shackles that were holding them down. But the Bible says that they looked into the fire and there was four and they only threw three in there. And they looked, even the worldly people around them looked and they said, look, we thought we only threw three in there, but there's four in there. And the fourth one is likened to the Son of God. Do you know why? Because it was the Son of God, and He's always there with us. If you pick plan A, there's more heat in it, but that's where Jesus is, and He's with us. So what can we do to recalibrate, to remember the will of God? First thing I'm asking is for all of us to follow Jesus with all of our heart. Jesus even spoke to the people, and He said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. They'll never walk in darkness. I, I remember one time this woman was caught in adultery. In fact, that's just her nickname, the woman who was caught in adultery. And she was being accused by religious people. And But I had never noticed this in the Word before. Jesus looked at her. This part I recognize, and so will you. He looked at her and he said, a woman, where are your accusers now? And she said, they're all gone. And he said, neither do I accuse you. And then he said something familiar that you all know. He said, now go and sin no more. But here's the thing. 
He was warning her to follow him. But interesting enough, he told her to go. Like, go and do these things. That's how you follow me. Like, it's to follow after the Lord. It's, it's a move. It's, it's us going and chasing after him. The children of Israel, you can see that they were delivered out of Egypt. Can you imagine that? And they were really only about 10 or 11 days from the promised land. But they were there for 40 years. Instead of 11 days, they were there for 14,500 days. Why? Because they didn't like plan A. They wanted another plan. And, and I always say that some of you might say, man, I have 40 years experience in my relationship with God. But the truth is, it's like one year repeated 40 times because you're just taking another lap because you don't like the plan of God. So again, we can't build our lives following after plan B. David, he always picked plan A. He was even described as a man who would pick God's heart, a man after God's own heart. And he followed the Lord daily and he would write to the Lord. And man, the book of Psalms he wrote a lot of that just with a heart after God. And then one day he was looking somewhere else and he forsook plan A and committed adultery and then kept the plan B and covered it with murder. So again, plan A is different than plan B and you have to choose it. Here's an example. If you decided you were going to move to California, I just want to be as clear as I can. You would go to I-40, and if you decided to turn east and not west, like I don't know why you would want to move to California, but that's another story. But if you decided to go to California, you're going to have to go west. East is not the way to go. The truth is, you can get to California if you go east, but not in a car, not even in a truck, not even in a four-wheel truck. It's going to take a boat. It's going to take a plane. It's going to take a train. It's going to take a long time to get there. But if you just go west, as soon as you turn west, you're headed in the right direction. And this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do, to take that first step into the will of God. So number one, let's follow after Christ with all of our heart. Number two, it's time. It's an important time for us to grow and to serve God together. The early church, it always fascinates me. Clearly, this was God's original design for the church. They were growing daily. They were sincere with one another. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were continually filled with the Holy Spirit. They were full of joy, and they reached out to one another. And this is what the Bible asks for us to do, to pray for one another, to serve one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to serve one another, to go an extra mile for one another, to forgive one another. But Jesus said, man, we got to remember that people are like helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And we can't say in four months and then we'll deal with the harvest. He said, no. I tell you, open your eyes now and look at the fields. Now they are ripe for harvest. Our vision, 
when we first started our church was to have 50 campuses and we're not we're not there we're at 18 now counting the Espanol campus and and I don't know in my lifetime if we will hit 50 campuses it's going to depend on on a lot of factors I do think one day we'll be in Jonesboro and Texarkana and Northwest Arkansas some other cities we're already in will probably be adding other campuses but one conversation recently it helped me tremendously with a man named Drew Davis who helped us start the Dream Center and then also CityServe and every Arkansan and and Drew he is a mighty leader and he pulled me into a room gosh it might have been a year ago now and he said, Rick, I know we have a vision for 50 campuses, but I want to challenge you with one thought. CityServe right now has over 200 churches that we are partnered with in the state of Arkansas. And we're in relationship with them. We're growing together. We're building even deeper relationships. Like we are a team, many type of churches, from all over the state, and we're given to the same needs. Uh, we are helping the same people. And why can't we make this our vision? And so instead of trying to strive to 50 campuses, which you're going to probably still want to do, why don't you embrace the idea that we have a few hundred now? So CityServe, man, it's a strong ministry. And the Bible says that your gift will make room for you in city service, certainly making room for us. If you could see how many semis, 98 so far this year, of helping us deliver goods to people in major needs and the decisions that people had for Christ, over 300 of them and, and baptisms, not even counting what happens in our church. And we prayed for over 15,000 people. There's a lot of stats that I could give you, but... I love the fact that we're moving out. It's not uncommon for you to see red shirts during like the tornado relief. We were everywhere trying to take care of people the best that we could. We even currently are training pastors all over the nation. They come into Arkansas uh, to be trained on how to have a healthy church, how to do city serve. And I thank God for Tony and Drew and the team they're just helping us in ways that I, I could never explain. And we have M18, men and women now who are trying to get through recovery. They were addicts at one point, and we're walking through life with them. Recently, they invited me to hang out with them. I started speaking, and I ended up speaking for almost two hours, and it was just a blast to hang out with them and be around them to hear their stories. We have ministries that I can never cover them all, but I want to brag about Solo for a minute. My mom leads that at one of our campuses, and I think there's a hundred ladies or close to it just at the Conway campus alone. This is where Jesus would be. He would be taking care of widows. We have to ace some of these things. It's plan A. So we have all this outreach. We're trying to serve one another and grow together. The strongest we've ever been as a church was when we did the one-year Bible. I'm talking about in terms of discipleship. We did the one-year Bible, and we loved it because all the sermons were in the same portions of Scripture, all of our devotions, all the teaching was from those portions of Scripture, and we were all growing and learning together. So we, as a team, statewide, 
we've decided in 2024 that we're going to go to a very similar plan as we did when we did the Year of the Bible. I can't give you all the details yet because it's still in the works, but you're going to know soon. But I can tell you this. It's going to be the best year we've ever had in His Word. We're going to teach you how to study it. We're going to study the same portions of Scripture together. And I can't wait to do it because, man, people do not know the Word right now like they should. Another plan. When we started this church, we knew we couldn't do everything on a Sunday morning. And this is why we have life groups and outreach this is why we have youth ministries and children's ministries and we help families and single people in college and on and on it goes. But when we started the church way back 23 years ago for about five years, we did retreats and we went away in smaller groups, 20, 30 people. Sometimes it was men. Sometimes it was women. Sometimes it was youth. It was different groups of people and we were getting away with vision in mind for people to encounter the Lord. In fact, we call them encounter retreats. And in 2024, we're bringing those retreats back because we can do a lot of things as a church, but we can't do it all on a Sunday morning. This verse relates to that in Psalms 92 and verse 13. It says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit. Even in old age, that's encouraging, especially this next part. They shall be fat <laughs> and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. I love the Word of God. So with that in mind, those that are planted, planted, plan A, and planted deep in, I want to give credit to all of them, those that are faithful, to those who serve big time at NLC. To them, it's, it's not about just attending church and enjoying worship, they contribute, man. And the church is built on their part of saying, I am all in. And, and I just wanna be clear about something. We have busy people who have a busy life who are giving their time and their talent and their treasure to our church. All I'm trying to say is we have faithful people and I want to make sure that we give honor where honor is due. And the truth is, the weight of the church is way too heavy when only half of our people are trying to carry it. It's just too heavy, man. We need everybody doing their part. It's a, it's a big call that we have. Plan A is not cake. It, it takes work. And if half of our people are doing 100% of the work, it's just harder there's no other way to say it. It takes longer and it gets discouraging. I mean, have you ever had an event at your house and people are doing all that they can, like they're eating and they're enjoying it, but no one helps clean it up? It's like it makes you hesitate if you want to do the event again. And that's the way it is in a church. It just takes a lot of work. With that in mind, talking about serving one another, I want to show you a picture that I saw recently. It's a pic of one of the houses that was left in Maui after those fires. And many of you know the story there, but I want to I show you a picture of this one house. Can, can you imagine after the fires driving to see what happened and you look over and your home is perfect? 
Like you're driving up and you see it and it's spared. And can you imagine the joy with that? Like to know that you survived this difficult thing. But I was looking at that picture and it hit me. Ultimately, it probably wasn't a lot of joy for them. It's not going to be the same. Why? Because they're going to be alone. And this is what can happen to all of us. Like, we're no longer connected to anyone else. We're surviving. But this is not the vision of the house. This is not the vision from Christ. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And God wants us to all have a vision, picking the right thing, not the wrong thing. This word vision in that verse, it's the word calzon, and it means to, to have a plan from God, a revelation from God. I like what D.L. Moody says. He said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. And number three, we must stay on mission. This is important not only for our lives, but the kids around us. For the next generation, one of the saddest verses in the, is in the book of Judges when it said that the next generation, they didn't know the Lord and they didn't remember anything that he had done for their land. I just, I don't like that, that verse much. But the truth is, if we pick plan B, what are our kids going to do with the Lord? So it's our mission this year. We talked about it in January for us to grow and for us to grow up. And I hear some say sometimes, NLC, it's, it's just too big now. It's too large. And I, I like to think of it this way. Have you ever driven by a hospital? And you said, look, that hospital's getting too big. It's helping too many sick people. I, I just don't really think that we can get too large. But I do think we can get weak if all of us are not growing in our relationship with the Lord, growing and growing up. So in closing, sometimes people will say to me, they'll say, Rick, when you pray for the church, how do you pray for the church? And I just want to give you a few things that are on my heart, and I want to ask for them to be in your heart too. I pray the Lord will give us a church in Arkansas that is Christ-like, that is humble and cares about the value of a soul. I pray for a church that cares about the Great Commission. We're on a mission. We have a commission. A church that is so intentional, so passionate, that the world around it will see it and respond to what the Lord is doing there. I hope for a church like that. I hope for a plan like that, with a plan for winning the lost and building disciples who want to be changed by God's presence, changed by His grace, changed by His name, changed by His word. I pray for a church that is genuine in their love, like sincerity is all over that church, and that the Holy Spirit is involved, and that they have a respect for His name, and they honor the triune God. I always like to pray for a church that sincerely wants to experience all of what Jesus wants. A church that hungers and seeks God with all of their heart, soul, and strength. I pray for a church that is fully devoted. I hope for a church that lives with integrity, fights for truth, and encourages one another daily. 
I pray for a church that is quick to serve the widows, consistently given to the poor and the hungry, a church that reaches over to every type of person, people that don't look like us, people that do, every generation. We pray for a church like this. This is the church that God sees. This is the Arkansas God sees. I pray that we have a church that prays with people to repent of their sins and that these people get baptized and they get into the word and they crave to be obedient to his word. I pray for a church that doesn't compromise God's truth and they study his word and they love the Bible. They love opening up scripture with one another. I pray for a church that doesn't change the word around the world just so we can fit into the culture that is around us. I pray for a church with godly convictions, unmovable convictions, a church who fears the Lord in every decision they make. Like there's just a a sense of sacredness towards his name. The kind of people who want to give to a church, and they do give. They show up and they're ready to serve. I pray for a church that reaches out and, and not just in. I pray for a church like this. This is the church that God sees. This is the Arkansas God sees. I pray for a church that sees the heartache in the people of our state. A church that doesn't hide from that. A church that looks over and they try to make a difference every day, whether they're at home or at school or at work in their neighborhood. This is the church that God sees. I pray for a church where people are dedicated, like they dedicate their whole lives to serving God. A church where people have their walk so deep and they, they just don't want to fall away from God. I pray for a church where people bring their friends in in order for them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We prayed for that for 23 years. I pray for a church that fully understands the power of his name, the grace that he has for us, the forgiveness. A church where we forgive one another when we hurt one another. I pray for a church that opens the Bibles together. The church might be large, but we're growing smaller simultaneously in relationships and in devotions daily. I pray for a church that does this with a sense of respect. And they walk daily with the fear of God. I pray for a church that values souls, that prays for other churches, that works with other churches. And their focus is not on getting all the glory and all the credit. In fact, I pray for a church that doesn't care who gets the credit. We just want to get the work done. I pray for a church that is humble and that they turn from their wicked ways. In fact, when they pray, they say, God, please heal our land. And God hears their repentance and he does hear from heaven and he heals their land. This is the kind of church that we pray for. This is the Arkansas that God sees. I see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the Great Commission. This is the Arkansas God sees. And that's plan A. Please remember, there is no plan B.